Hello and welcome to the second season of Play Next, the podcast in partnership with BMW that showcases and celebrates the best new music on offer. I'm Edith Bowman and it's lovely to have you along. Now, if you're a returning listener, you'll be familiar with the format. And if you're new to us, let me tell you what it's all about. Each week, I play tracks by breakout artists and I get to speak to one of them as well. The main thing these artists have in common, they're all producing fresh, innovative sounds that I absolutely love. And I think that you will too. We also hear from established acts and industry luminaries about their journeys from hopeful young dreamers striving for that elusive break to creative pioneers and visionaries. On which note, be sure to check out season one for conversations with the likes of Hans Zimmer, Skin, Disclosure, Jam Supernova and Giles Peterson. Coming up, I'll be joined by Soak and John Higgs from Everything Everything. But first, as promised, it's time for some new tunes, which together form quite the mesmeric blend. Right then, first up, we have got dreamy, sun-kissed vibes in the shape of Loop by Lionel Boy. Having grown up in Hawaii, Lionel Keone de Guzman cut his musical teeth in Long Beach, infusing his brand of slacker pop with the gentle warmth of a Pacific Ocean breeze. It's cold out in the deep 
that's Lionel Boy and Loop, the first of our new tracks. I love the mix of that track, this kind of soft beats with the almost, I guess, meditative vocals that he has. Absolutely stunning stuff. Continuing the Californian theme is the beguiling Serafina Simone. Now, Serafina grew up in London, but also spent long periods in LA with her dad, who just so happens to be Terence Trent Darby. Now, she recently supported the inimitable self-esteem on tour, so her star is very much on the rise. And I think you're going to like this. This is Milk Teeth. Milk Teeth by Serafina Simone. Instant kind of hit, I think. Memorable chorus. The melodies in that are infectious. I love it. Now, we're staying out west, but this time not the fabled west coast of the USA, but the West Country. That said, Bristolian Katie J. Pearson oozes 
widescreen Americana, as demonstrated by this snappy little number, Alligator. Alligator, snap me up again, giant trench for crawling down the leg. Could have gotten it better. The story is perfectly sound. Falling down seven flights of stairs, pulling out my hair. Could have gotten it better. The story is perfectly sound. Ten foot wave could just drag me down, getting lost. Wrong part of the town. It felt just like a dream, and it keeps on happening. It felt just like a dream, and it keeps on happening. Forget the names of everyone I met, learning French and instantly forget. Could have gotten it better. The story is perfectly sound. Got my dress. of Katie J Pearson and Alligator. She's got such a unique voice and kind of tone to her voice. I think she's absolutely amazing. I got the chance to see Katie play live recently. She was doing backing vocals for Orlando Weeks, previously of the Maccabees. And that voice is just something I think absolutely wonderful. Very excited to listen to her record. Her album coming out on the 8th of July. It's called Sound of the Morning. Katie J Pearson. How good did those three sound together? Alligator by Katie J. Pearson, before that, Milk Teeth by Serafina Simone, and Loop by Lionel Boy. This is Play Next, brought to you in partnership with BMW, and that's how we kick off every episode with three new releases that you'll definitely want to tell your friends about. Now, as I mentioned, not only will we be sharing new music each week, but also chatting with the talented young individuals who create it. First up is Bridie Mons Watson, better known as Silk, the youngest ever. Mercury Prize nominee at 19. They knew all about what it takes to break into the business young. Soak is an artist I've been familiar with 
from that first album when they were just standing out well and above anything else that was being released. And it's been wonderful to follow their journey up to this point, releasing their third record. It's called If I Never Know You Like This Again. It's out now with one reviewer noting it has summer vibes, but summer vibes when it rains. I think that's something we can all relate to. Bridie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me. Well, I guess it's almost summer. How's your summer so far? My summer's amazing so far. I'm just, I've literally just come in from like lying in 30 degree heat, which is the dream. We just got the Faro a couple of days ago and we've been taking on many a stray cat pretty much. So it's, it's a good time. <laughs> good times. Congratulations, by the way, on the, on the latest record. I think it's, it's absolutely stunning. When you release a new record, does it give you the time to reflect on kind of where you've been, what you've done before, and almost kind of look at the things that you, you don't want to repeat and you don't want to go back there? It's about always moving forward. Yeah, for sure. I think in the past couple of years, I've really found my feet with songwriting and it's less of, what if you write a bad song? That's, <laughs> you're done. And very, what's the point in writing a song if it's not going to be the best of the best? But I've been learning just to write for joy. Do you find as well that, that writing and you know, the journey of learning as well, I mean, you started so young in terms of the attention that you got at quite an early age, but the way that music and, and lyric writing has, did it give you that outpouring of creativity, but also allow you to, to talk about things that you wouldn't be able to talk about in a conversation in a way? It's really interesting because I had this lovely conversation with a mutual friend of ours, actually, Gary Lightbody. And he was talking about when he was a teenager and how about he remembers putting on Nirvana and he's going, oh, I found the thing that allows me to say and articulate things that I wouldn't be able to have in a conversation. Did you find that with writing lyrics and music? A hundred percent. I think the way I began writing music was because I was really shy when I was younger and I, the idea of sitting down having an open, genuine chat with anybody made me want to throw up. I just, I wasn't really... <laughs> I wasn't very open or like keen to get deep. I think it was a necessity for me to to write in order to get all those feelings out. Because otherwise I was just kind of like a frustrated, angry youth. My mom always brings it up now. And I feel like my adult years, I've just been trying to make up for my adolescence stubbornness with her. But a lot of writing was just trying to trying to get those feelings out and trying to work out why. I was like anxious or, you know, having all these adolescent feelings, I guess. Then after that, I think it was the joy of creativity. Because mm. whenever I grew up really dyslexic and so writing was a challenge initially, but then became something super, super enjoyable and more of a release. And over the years, I've just fallen into that more and more and come to enjoy it more. But I think what you were saying with the, my first album and stuff, people taking it on. After that, a lot of writing it was hard to find my feet in terms of, I don't know, I felt like there was pressure or like I had to prove myself. But now I feel like I've come full circle and I just do it for me again. I just, that's what this album was very much, I don't know, it felt just very secure. Like I knew what I was doing and I was just happy to, to be writing really. Yeah. Which it was a nice feeling. The magic bus
got such a great tone to the record as well. I mean, whether it's like lyrics in, in Bleach, I love that track. Thank you. I visit memories I like. That's such a great line of almost kind of being decisive about the memories that you want to revisit. <laughs> it's so great. Such a brilliant thing. I can't compete with the night of me. I'll never be the real deal. think that your path would have been different if your parents had let you play the drums back when you were 13? <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I've never, I've never really was a good drum player. I just enjoyed like the craziness of it all yeah. and the fast movement. <laughs> Even now, I'm the annoying person. If we have time in a sound check, it's like, James, who's our drummer? I'd be like, James, can you teach me something? <laughs> and um, I never really quite got there with the drums, but I don't know. Had I followed that path, it would have been a drumming hobby a lot of the time. I don't know if I would have made a career in that at all. Yeah. I read as well somewhere that The Bends by Radiohead was a kind of, not an inspiration for this record, but it was it was there. Yeah. With guitar, which is my primary instrument, I'm always trying to find something new and exciting in it to me. Like nothing is more frustrating than when I get stuck in the same kind of chord progressions or or things like that and I'm always looking for something to take me out of that and learn something that makes me inspired I guess and a lot of that was going back to these incredible like 90s bands mm. bands from like 20 years ago that were the first of their kind I guess yeah Tommy who I made the album with Tommy McLaughlin I've known him for 10 years now and he's always been the main person in my life that's like curating me things I need to hear so mm -hmm. I trust him a lot and he was like have you ever heard um the bands properly and I was like you know that you're so familiar with some bands you're like oh yeah I know them but you haven't actually ever delved into their work yeah and so the bands I sat down and listened to him was like oh my god no baby's got the best that like the soaring guitars and stuff just immediately hooked me and what they do isn't massively complex they just do it so well yeah it's really really impressive to to listen to and to try and decipher and a lot of the guitar tones and things they were doing there definitely made me inspired to make things and when I when I was trying to find the bones of the record and figure out where I wanted to go with it bands like that were were really helpful in steering that I want to talk about a couple of tracks if that's all right before we finish up because Guts is another one of my favorites on the record I kind of come away listening to that track feeling like I can take on the world it's got this amazing, <laughs> empowering quality to it. My guts are smirking at me From your shoelaces I've dressed them real I'm coming clean Tonight I record I almost kind of feel like that it's got this kind of gift to it you know I know that you've said that 
you know, these lyrics and these songs were for you. Yeah. The most honest of songwriting that you've done sort of thing for yourself. But it's such a gift to us as fans because it does <laughs> allow us to kind of come away going, yeah, all right, I can do this. I've got this. Thank you. That's really nice to hear. I don't, yeah, it's, it's a really weird kind of exchange when something has been yours for so long for it then to be other people's. Because I never wrote it in an attempt to be relatable. So when it does transfer like that and it means something to other people is really, really special, I think. I don't know. It makes me feel seen and supported sometimes when other people are like, I hear that and I feel that. And I'm like, really? You know, I thought that might have been a weird one, but (laughs) it's reassuring. (laughs) um, Yeah, it's nice. I just think as well that that idea that you mentioned earlier about kind of pushing boundaries for yourself, you know, in terms of trying things out, whether that's moving to Faro or, you know, that, that, that whole idea or just thinking about how you write and what you write about and giving it a, a certain kind of push and pioneering quality, I guess. Is, it, is that a conscious thing of going, I want to do things differently. I want to push things forward. I want it to be exciting for me. Like I always want to be making, making the best effort I can, trying to write the best I can. And I think I can be quite self-critical, but I'm just trying to keep my standards high because I don't want to I think there's so much music in the world and there's such a landfill mm. of stuff online that I, w- I want to have longevity in what I do. And I don't really want to put anything out if I don't feel like I'm saying something that I really want to say, you know. So I want to make music that I want to hear first. So as much as I can keep it exciting and entertaining for myself and for my band as well, you know, I think I really chase the rush of I, w- I want to make something that I bring to Tommy and be like, check this out I'm really excited about it and he's like oh my god this you know I, I want that spark of just getting really excited to be making things so yeah it's a bit addictive we're going to finish on a track but before we do one thing I just wanted to quickly kind of mention because you know the show is all about kind of celebrating new music and that's a kind of combination of new artists and, and established artists but when you think back on what you've achieved so far so many brilliant things and one of those being the youngest ever Mercury Prize nominee at 19 when you do kind of get a moment to sort of reflect what advice would you give to your 19-year-old self? And I guess an extension to other young artists as well. I think ultimately you just you really, really have to stick to your guns and do what you want to do because you're going to have to live with the music you make and put out forever. Once it's online, it's not coming down. So if you're unsure and there's like a label or someone on your back that's like, this is going to be a hit, you got to put it out and you, you don't know, trust your gut. If you're not into it, don't do it. I really appreciated being taken seriously at that age and and everything that came to me. But when you've got a lot of older people around you that are staring you in different ways, you got to, even though you are younger, you know, I find it was easy to kind of say yes to a lot of things that I wasn't sure about or or the pressure of that because, you know, older people know better than you. But you got to do your thing. Like, no, they don't. <laughs> not always. Um, but that's that was a learning curve for me. And, you know. And you need that, don't you? Rather being told the mistakes you could make, you almost have to go through them to learn yourself to realise, don't you? A hundred percent. It's crazy. I genuinely feel at this point in my career is the first time I think I can really like stick to my guns and say what I want to do and, you know, steer it that way. So it's good. You learn a lot of life lessons. Yeah. Oh, Bridie, I'm so excited about what's to come as well, you know, in terms of what you've you've given us is already is, is so rich and beautiful. I'm, I'm so excited for the next, you know, what comes next sort of thing. But we're going to finish on swear jar which being Scottish I immediately associate with that you know we were talking about collaboration and I love the use of other voices in this track and what can you tell us a little bit about swear jar before we play it swear jar is about realizing that you're 
being like a fun sponge and kind of being the cynical like lemony person in a relationship <laughs> and also a lot of the time I feel like I'm watching myself partake in life and not actively being myself doing it I put all those feelings into this song and the voices you were mentioning are Tommy and Sophie Gelpin who play in my band there's actually a video from that where we recorded that at the end of the album session and Tommy was just lying on the ground screaming these words and we tracked them all up together and layered them and it's a really fun memory of mine and you can you can hear Tommy on the floor in the song and I, I quite like that. <laughs> I love that and I also love Fun Sponge. I'm having that from now on as well. <laughs> um, Bridie, it's been an absolute treat to get to chat to you. Uh, enjoy that wonderful sunshine in Faro and uh, I look forward to seeing you live over the summer and we're going to leave um, with Swear Jar. Thanks Bridie, take care. Hey, thank you so much. You're talking to me like I'm in Conversations are a lottery noise. Is there an itch still left in Things only look the way you wanna see them. I can't stand it when you wake up optimistic. What does that say about me? I'm gone before you complete my diagnosis.
Swear jar from Soak. Absolutely wonderful to get the chance to pick Bridie's brain about that beautiful new album. If you haven't heard it yet, it's called If I Never Know You Like This Again and it is out now and I cannot wait to see them live. Still to come, music from Leeds indie rockers Lobjectif. But first, a man whose band likes to push stylistic and technological boundaries with their latest album featuring lyrics generated by AI software and a mysterious recurring character called Kevin. Who could it be? The one and only Jonathan Higgs from Everything Everything, of course. John, thank you so much for joining me. Listen, congratulations on this record, Raw Data Feel. I love it. I felt like euphoric. After listening to it for the first time, I was like, yeah! Great, that's really good. That's really, really good. I want to talk about AI. I am fascinated by this because that was part of the process of making this record, wasn't it? It was, it was. Well, it came about halfway through probably in the lyric writing process. We just made a record uh, that came out in the pandemic and then we couldn't tour it. So we had to make another one, basically. <laughs> and uh, as soon as that dawned on us, which, which was pretty quickly, to be honest, we were kind of uh, looking around at each other like, well, another one straight away. <laughs> and quite often the process can be quite grueling, especially for me, because I have to sort of, well, I don't have to, but I, the way I write songs is that I, you know, I do look into myself and I talk about emotion and talk about what's happening in my life, even if it's in an abstract way. I didn't really want to go through with all that again. Mm. So I, um, I started to look around for ways I could introduce another element in that wasn't really from me. I didn't want to actually collaborate with a human <laughs> because I thought that would be a bit weird, you know. We wrote a lot of the songs. And then when it came to the lyrics, I was like, well, I've seen some of these poems written by AI online. Mm. Um, and some of them are actually quite good. And I started to think, hmm, imagine if a lyric was good enough that I would put it in one of my songs and it was AI. So I started to investigate. Wow. So I just tweeted, has anybody got any experience in machine learning? Give me a DM, basically. And uh, there was like, I got like 20 messages and I just went through them all and picked the most qualified looking one, which was uh, a, a professor, well, something like that, called Mark Hanslip. And he said, I do this stuff all the time. Send me the data that you want to be fed into the AI. We'll see what it learns and, and what it says back to us. So... I thought long and hard about what I wanted this machine to learn, basically. And I was thinking, I want it to have some really extreme polarizing stuff in there because I, I, the experiment for me was kind of, can I be moved by this? Can you relate to it as well? Yeah. Can I find meaning in what it's saying, even though I am perfectly aware of what's gone into this thing? So I thought, what's the least meaningful, least poetic form of the English language that's out there, like what, what's not going to have you emotional. And so I thought terms and conditions would be the best. So I looked at what's the most draconian 
terms and conditions and it was LinkedIn, 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 LinkedIn. So I got the whole terms and conditions LinkedIn, sent that to him. And then I thought, okay, let's go old. So I went back to Beowulf, the, the ancient poem. Yeah. Can I relate to something that is incredibly old? Let's find out. And then I thought, okay, what's really, really ugly and very, very modern? I somehow managed to find a huge collection of comments from the website 4chan. The commentary on there tends to be very trolly and it's kind of where the trolls live. And I took about 400,000 of their comments and sent them all into this machine as well, alongside Bill <laughs> and LinkedIn. And then I thought, I want a little bit of mysticism. I want a bit of something that's going to give me an artistic flourish and make it sound like this is meaningful. So I took uh, the philosophy of Confucius, the whole thing, all of it, and put that in as well. And then the machine learnt all these four data sets and then a few weeks later, I got an email from the guy saying, okay, it's, it's ready. What do you want to ask it? So I sent him a, a big list of prompts, just a few words, and then the machine would continue that into a sentence based on what it's learned. So I sent him things like simply, what now? Or I had this concept for a, a, a song called Kevin's Car, and I put in Kevin's car and sent that to him, and so on and so on. And then he sent me a load of stuff back. And so the, the AI would say things like, in Kevin's car, moon downloads a scepter of iron tonight or something like this. And this was just over and over and over again, hundreds and hundreds of things that had spat out. And then I went through all of those and just looked for stuff that sounded cool or made me think, made me have a reaction to emotionally or otherwise. And then I, I took those bits and I put them down in my sort of primary lyric folder thing, big, big notepad. And kind of went from there. So if I was in the middle of a song and I didn't know where to go next, or I just wanted something out of left field to throw me in a new direction, I would look through this stuff and go, oh, that's really great, actually. Thanks, AI. And so if it was kind of like that a collaboration. If it was a, a, a lyric writing partner, it would, be, it would be working in the same way. I would kind of go, I'm stuck on this chorus. Have you got any ideas? And then they would say, how about this? And I have no idea where it came from. This computer has learned thousands and thousands of things and uh, but that's kind of what a human has done as well really and he's just spat something out he or she into my ear and uh, the ai has done the same so it was kind of a collaboration yeah so fascinating i mean i always think of you the band as being kind of really sort of pioneering and experimental both in terms of the music you create but also how you deliver it to your audience live as well would you say that experimentation is an important part of your creativity? Oh, definitely. I think creativity can't really flourish without experimentation. You have to be trying something new. I think that's where I get the joy of creativity from, really. I think as soon as you're retracing yourself, it isn't really that fun anymore. And you see that again and again with people when they get bored of their creative process. It's because they're not really learning anything new. I'm always happiest learning something new. I'm learning um, a 3D animation program at the moment, which I, I did dabble in a bit on the last record when I made some videos, but now I'm getting really, really stuck into it. And it's every day feels so sort of full of potential, as cheesy as that sounds, because I sit down on my computer and I go, right, I'm going to try, today I'm going to try and make this woman get out of the car, <laughs> you know, an animation. And yeah. it sounds silly and, and simple, but it t takes me, you know, nine hours. And at the end of it, a woman gets out of a car. <laughs> <laughs> I did it! Yeah. Music videos is, is it's part of, of what you've been doing as well, you know, whether 
Bad Friday teletype on this new record examples you know is is that always been the case for you of, of wanting to do that side of it as well yeah I've always been interested in the visual particularly film again it's that feeling that there's nothing one day and then the next day there's a thing it really excites me and it, it always has well I made a, an <laughs> I made an entire film before before I was in the band actually did you um, yeah that I, I I keep forgetting that People don't know about this. It's not. It's not available. One day I'm going to put it on YouTube. Yes. But I'm thinking about maybe making like upscaling it or something because it looks pretty terrible. But it's like a two-hour musical. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's got like seven or eight songs in it. Um, it's pretty crazy, yeah. But it's the cheapest film you've ever seen, basically. Which can sometimes be the best. Well, some might say, yeah, some might say. <laughs> um, sorry to quote Lynn Ramsey's amazing film at you, but we need to talk about Kevin. Oh no. I've got a cousin Kevin. Kevin, why Kevin? Where, who is Kevin? Where did Kevin come from? Well, I had a, the inclination to use more characters in, in, on this record. Again, it was partly as because I didn't want to delve too deep into myself. Although in doing so, I kind of, I guess I, I probably delved deeper than usual. <laughs> I had a few things I wanted to talk about that were painful mm-hmm. and I just didn't want to have the finger pointed directly at me, if, yeah. as it were, when it came to people analyzing my words so I, I made a lot of characters and and as a result it's kind of at arm's length and you don't really know if I talk about myself or someone I know or if I've just made it up or if you know if the AI has made it up so I've got all these ways of, of protecting myself really so I have this character Kevin who appears a lot on the record but as for who he is yeah I guess there's obviously a lot of me in there but it's it isn't entirely me and keeping it vague enough was my intention all along in the same way I haven't told anyone what lines the AI came up with. Yeah. So the people are always guessing and always doubting. And that feels really exciting to me that someone might be listening to a song and feeling strong emotions from something that AI wrote. Conversely, they might be listening to a line I wrote and thinking, oh, that's got to be AI. You know, that's quite fun. And, and it's quite interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I keep them guessing. That's always good, I think. The whole kind of weird sort of COVID cloud that we've all been through in the last couple of years and stuff. I'm so bored talking about it. But did it give you the chance at all to kind of reflect on you know your career as a band particularly when you think about the innovation and the experimentation that's been involved in this record and kind of looking back to compare to how you wrote that first record to how this one was created there's definitely been some looking back maybe we didn't realize quite so much but yeah I think if I look at the record we just made there is a lot of nostalgia on it we, we just made a video that's purposely very nostalgic and nostalgia is something that we never ever would allow ourselves to use in the past because we thought it was cheap and we thought it was you know it wasn't we should always be looking forward and i think maybe there is something to do with the pandemic has made us take stock and we've also just released a book of all the lyrics since day one up to this newest records oh wow so that's um a big nostalgia trip really for all of us it's full of photos of us it's full of every you know scraps of paper and our the flyers for our first gigs and all this stuff and that's a huge look back yeah and I guess that crept up on us we were like yeah maybe we should do a book we got an offer someone saying do you want to do a book guys we're like yeah okay but as it's as it's dragged on and I had to go through every word of every song and dot the i's and cross the t's of everything Mm -hmm. I've definitely taken a big stock of how long we've been going it's been 15 years since we started the band now wow it's gone from a you know will we make it is this going to last to actually we feel quite stable and we feel quite established and like part of the furniture now in a, in a really great way. John, it's so great to chat to you. And I'm, I'm really hoping I get the chance over the summer to see you at a 
a festival as well. Um, oh, great, yeah. Because, uh, uh, yeah, and everything, everything live shows is always pretty amazing. And the, the, the album, as I said, just felt like I could take on the world after listening to it. So huge congratulations and thank you so much for your time. Great, thank you for having me. Cheers. Absolutely fascinating. What a unique way to create a record. I loved his honesty as well about the whole production of that as well. Fantastic. So that's nearly it for the first episode of Play Next Season 2, brought to you in partnership with BMW. Before I go, we've one more new number from Saul Kane, Louis Bullock, Dan Richardson and Ezra Glennon, a.k.a. L'Objectif. This is To Be Honest. An open man with open plans He has his life up in your hands I have no reason to be honest So when I turn away from you It's not that I don't know the truth It's that I don't know if I'm bothered I've got a place where I lay When all the truth comes knocking in I guess I get what I ordered Time I change my mind It's got a nice ring to it I find But I can't give you a straight promise Give you and I that ain't nothing but a Hope so time we'll do things together You and I we're not getting better Hope I'll never see you forever
I just want to be bouncing around in a field or in a sweaty club to that. That's Lobjectif, to be honest. Fantastic track. I really, really want to hear more from that lot. That's all from us. Thank you so much to Soak and John Higgs. And thanks to you for listening. Do join me next time for more new bands, music and conversation. If you've enjoyed this, please rate, review and subscribe so as to not miss an episode. Don't forget to check out season one to hear my chat with a host of stellar guests, including Kay Tempest, Felix White and Faye Milton. I'm Edith Bowman and this has been Play Next in partnership with BMW. 